Welcome to America's Retirement Headquarters, home of the Retirement Guys Formula and America's Medicare Associates. Securities offered through Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. Advisory services offered through the Retirement Guys Formula. Registered Investment Advisor, America's Retirement Headquarters, America's Medicare Associates, and the Retirement Guys Formula are separate and independent entities from Peak Brokerage Services, LLC. you're enjoying our day today i want to welcome you into and thank you so much for joining us here on america's retirement headquarters home of the retirement guys formula and america's medicare associates nolan baker and scott Kirshner, and myself my name is chris vaughn here's how you reach out 419-794-3030 that's 419-794-3030 online at america's retirement headquarters.com on today's show should gold be a part of your retirement plan as a hedge against inflation are you taking advantage of the free money in your 401k? And happy Mother's Day. We're going to hear from a Shark Tank investor who tells us his favorite financial advice his mom gave him. All this and more. But first, got to check in with the guys. Uh, once again, uh, Nolan is not with us, but I do have Scott Kirshner, as always, and Chaz Price is back on the show. So, gentlemen, glad to be with you. How are we doing today? Well, we're doing very, very well. Chaz, thanks again uh, for, for joining. Um, I know it's been kind of crazy. Nolan's been, like uh, you said, Chris, a couple of weeks ago, Nolan's been having layovers here in uh, in his hometown <laughs> between all of his trips. Uh, so good for him. But, uh, you know, the nice thing is um, Chaz and I had the opportunity uh, last week to actually make a trip down to West Palm Beach and uh, learned a lot from uh, the seminars down there. And, and My tan's starting to wear off, so i got to yeah. yeah. get back out. Got to get back out. And the weather's actually uh, looking like it's going to allow uh, the uh, sun tanning to come back in. But uh, no, we're we're excited and anxious about another show and um, ready to get going. How you doing, Chris? You doing well? I'm doing well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glad to be with you guys as well. I was to, you know, share on the insight that you're giving the listeners. I also, I take a little information for myself, so it's a dual purpose thing. But uh, let's go ahead and dive right in. There was an article on bankrate.com that talked about the most popular investing trends right now, and it listed inflation protection at the top. It says that a lot of people have turned to gold as a hedge against rising prices. So, so what do you think about that? Do you agree? And if so, how do you go about including gold in a retirement plan? Well, you know what, Chaz, I'm going to throw this to you. But yeah. first, um, you know, who doesn't love gold? <laughs> I love gold. Love gold. You know, Donald Trump, he loved gold, didn't he? He was the golden boy, I guess. But no, you know, I, I look back at, um, you know, I've got some for some numbers here from 20 years ago. And this is this is kind of staggering to me, These some of these numbers. But if you look at the price of gold 20 years ago, back in 2021, 21 years ago, you could get gold for 277 an ounce. And I looked at, at the report and today it's 1895 an ounce. Mm-hmm. You know, a $10,000 investment would have gotten you uh, what um uh, $75,000 worth today. So that's really a nice increase. Mm-hmm. But is gold right for everybody? Well, I would just first point out that we did a webinar on gold and precious metal investing. We mm-hmm. actually talked about it at our last economic summit. So if that is of interest to you, you can actually text our uh, text line at 419-909-3828. Text the word gold, and you can actually get the webinar that I did on it a few months ago. But I think the answer is yes. I think in moderation, like everything, uh, a little bit is uh, probably just enough. I mean, gold, uh, other commodities, we refer to gold and precious metals as hard commodities. Um, There's soft commodities like agricultural products, Mm -hmm. uh, oil, natural gas. You know, you definitely want to have some of those type of investments in your portfolio. They do a good job of diversifying, um, giving you 
a lot of different exposure to different investment uh, assets and different investment uh, asset classes is going to help overall reduce the volatility. But, you know, when you're talking about actually investing into gold, that's where the problem comes in, right? Like, uh, where, where are you going to store it? There's sure. issues with storage. There's issues with bartering or selling or buying. Where do you go? Who do you go to? Who do you trust? And so there's a couple of different ways. You can obviously go to a, an exchange, um, you know, somebody that buys and sells gold. There's a, a, probably the easiest way that you could include gold and precious metals into your portfolio would be buying the stocks, the stocks that actually bring gold out of the ground and refine it. And then there is also probably the biggest investment in gold and precious metals is an ETF. We don't typically talk about individual trades or symbols or investments, but the, the biggest one actually holds gold bullion in its storage facility somewhere in Fort Knox or wherever it is. But uh, you can actually participate in the value and the, the upside of gold by investing into an exchange-traded fund that owns gold bullion. So, you know, Chaz, that, that reminds me back when the gold price was really low and um, uh, when I was working in a previous life, I know the big talk was about gold. It was like, my gosh, gold prices are so low. You have an opportunity to actually invest and buy and, and get into gold. One of the things that I did was what you just mentioned. I made sure that some of the um, the Companies, the mining companies, mm -hmm. I, I was making sure that I was investing in some of those because to actually go out and buy a physical bar of gold, yeah. uh, I wasn't going to do that. Yeah. I'm gonna, where am I going to put that? You know, in how the, do you spend that? Yeah, how do you spend that? that? To the grocery store? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I made sure, and, and that was a big thing back then, back in, in the early 2000s, where I made sure that where I was investing was in the mining of the precious metals and that. Yeah. Um, so, and I like what you said, diversification. I mean, this is just one of the pieces of the pie. You know, yeah. it's not the whole pie, but it's one of the pieces of the pie. And here's the thing, too, with, with performance. I know you you have some, some good figures there, Scott. You know, I was going back and looking at some numbers. In the last 20 years, uh, gold or the, that, that ETF, the, the most common way to buy into gold, was up in the last 20 years about 13%. Wow. Um, whereas the S&P 500, you know, the market itself is up over 250. So the issue is, is that gold, precious metals, commodities, they do often tend to perform better when, you know, the traditional stocks and bonds, those more traditional investments are not performing. But that doesn't happen very often. You know, maybe one out of every four or five years is the market down traditionally. Sure. And so the market is traditionally up. Owning the traditional stocks and bonds is going to traditionally perform better than an investment that sometimes is uh, performs at its best when, you know, the, the markets and the economies are at its worst, which... You know, I remember um, uh, back when all of the, the, the low prices and the buy, 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 because obviously, you know, the whole philosophy with proper investing is we buy low, we sell high, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember that they were also talking not only about gold, but they were talking about silver. And silver obviously was much more affordable. And we've got more places to store silver mm -hmm. um, because it's, you know, you can get it in smaller, uh, um, uh, physical smaller pieces of silver and that. But um, uh, it wasn't nearly the cost of gold, but it still has had some significant increases and, and it holds its value. Uh, 
I'm assuming that that would all be classified under the precious metals and, yeah. and uh, you know, that kind of investment. Yeah, gold and precious metals, uh, tin, iron, platinum, nickel, silver. I think those are all components and raw materials that go into semiconductors as well. Okay. So, and you know, the chips that go into everything electronic that you see in the studio today, your cars, appliances. So that's one of the, the reasons why gold and precious metals do start to perform well when we have inflationary pressure. We're seeing a lot of inflation for that very reason, mm -hmm. you know, shortage on chips. And um, as the price of those things go up, so does the demand for the raw materials that go into making them. And so, again, it, it is traditionally a good investment during inflationary periods of time, and that's why it is considered a, a good inflation hedge uh, as part of a diversified portfolio. You know, of course, we don't want to put all of our eggs in one basket, mm -hmm. but sprinkle a little here, you know, maybe even sure. um, a little bit into the agricultural products, maybe a little oil, you know, and kind of just diversify it out. You know, when we talk about diversification, I, I've used the analogy before of like a, a stool at a, at a bar and we've all had our share of those chairs where we sit in them and the legs are a little wobbly. So what do we do? You know, more often than not, you'll lean on the, the ones that aren't, you know, the short end that aren't wobbly. It's the same sort of thing when it comes to your uh, retirement strategy, especially if you have diversified, if you have multiple legs uh, when it comes to your retirement plan. If something is not being favorable, if the market is volatile and it's, it's coming up a little short, you don't want to lean on that. Obviously, this is where things like, you know, having gold potentially as part of your strategy or different assets to lean on in those those times. And, uh, you know, if you're not diversified and you just have a one-legged stool, well, what happens when that's wobbly? You fall down. That's not what you want when it comes to your retirement. You want that diversification, whether uh, it does include gold or not. Again, uh, as Chaz pointed out, they did a, a recent webinar about that. And if you want more information about that, if you want access to that webinar, it's real easy. You text the word gold to 419-909-3828. They'll be happy to send that out to you. Or if you want to start crafting a more comprehensive strategy, uh, all-encompassing, pick up the phone, give a call to America's Retirement Headquarters, 419-794-3030. That's 419-794-3030. Or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. What percentage of your income do you contribute to a 401k? A uh, recent study in Vanguard said a third of Americans, they don't even contribute enough to get the company match, which means that they don't realize that they're missing out on free money. I know you guys offer a complimentary services like a portfolio x-ray or review. Is there a similar review that you guys can do on a 401k or another retirement account to make sure that people are getting the most out of it? Well, once again, uh, Chaz, this is kind of right up your uh, wheelhouse, but, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of people out there that have 401ks and has contributed. I know back when I first started, you know, you know in my working career, um, you know, 40 some odd years ago, one of the things was, oh, you got to invest, you got to invest in 401ks. And, and uh, you know, I was told back then, one of the more important things to do is take any of the money that your employer is going to give you. It's free money. Why would you not take it? And preparing for the show, I was reading an article, and it was kind of funny. It, it goes through a scenario. It's like, okay, so let's say you're walking down the street and you find $5 laying on the ground. You know, what are you going to do? Step you gonna, over that? or No, you're going to pick it up, right? <laughs> I mean, you're going you to look around, and you're going to say, hey, did anybody see me pick that up? And maybe someone, you know, if nobody's around, you're going to pick it up, and it's going to go in your pocket, right? Right. And, you know, that reminds me of a story. I was at Kent State with my daughter, and um, uh, after one of her weekend games, I took her out to dinner, and we're walking from one side of the street to the other, and I see this building on the floor or on the ground. 
And I go, hey, hey, sis, look. And she looks down, and it's it's kind of f- crumbled up, folded up. And I beat, reach over and pick it up. It's a $100 bill. Wow. Mm. And we look around, and I did. I looked around, and I'm like, I, you know, this is unfortunate. Somebody dropped a $100 bill. They don't even know they did this. And, you know, a bunch of college kids, and the 100 bucks to them is a lot. And the first thing my daughter did was she stuck her hand out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. That's not going to happen. Yeah, we're going to use it to pay for your dinner, and you might be able to have what's left over. But if you think about that, picking up the $5, not taking advantage of the money that your employer is going to give you with the contribution is really like throwing money away. It's free money. Mm -hmm. So in the article, it said, okay, so if you maximize your contribution, so you take that $5 bill and you put it on the ground. Now there's two $5 bills down there and you pick them both up. Now you've got 10 bucks in your pocket. Yeah. Well, why would you not take advantage of the money, the free money that your employer is going to give you? Right. The match. The match. Exactly. Why don't you go through and explain a little bit how that match works? Yeah. So as Scott was describing, you know, in order to get that five dollars off the ground, you have to put your five dollars down first. Right. But as soon as you put as soon as you do that, you can pick up the five bucks. And that kind of describes the process of a 401k match, which is it's the employer's contribution in your retirement success. You know, they're taking a lot of time, energy, and actually that's one of the main um, lines of business that I support here at the Retirement Guys is setting up 401ks for medium to large employers. And, um, you know, that's the, important, that's the important part of it is that they're taking their own money to help you participate in and to be successful in retirement. So why wouldn't you take advantage of that? Sure. It's exactly uh, the case. The question is why, you know, really what, what is the reasoning why? And I think sometimes people think that a 3% match or even a 6% match is at the end of the day, kind of underwhelming, you know, it's like, uh, it's 3%. What is that actually worth to me? But when you look at it in terms of over a 30 year period of time, Mm -hmm. you know, on a $45,000 salary, a 3% Mm -hmm. contribution over 30 years is, uh, you know, six figures. Yeah. Approaching exactly. 200,000, you know, 150 to $200,000. That's a, a big chunk of your retirement for sure. So I, I think that would just be the takeaway that I would have from that segment is, you know, even though it's a 3% contribution, which may not sound like a lot of money, you really have to look at it in terms of the compounding interest, the 30 years that goes along with it, you, you know, from now until the time you retire, and then take a look at that what that dollar amount is and what sort of impact that's going to make on your retirement. What do you typically see? Um, I I know if uh, I remember correctly back in the day, it was up to a 6%. So if I put in six, the employer would match up to um, 3% of the six, Mm -hmm. but I had to at least put that amount in in order to get the full match. Yeah. Do you see, uh, is that the industry standard, or do you see employers matching dollar for dollar? Do you, I mean, what do you typically see with these 401k matches? Yeah, it's typically dollar for dollar up to the first 3%, and then, you know, maybe 50% for the next three or something like that. Um, but it's it's really all... It, they're really different. You know, each plan is different. You can make it as, as um, attractive as you want. You know, it just really comes down to what sort of features and benefits and job perks are you going to offer to attract, you know, the, the talent that you need? Is there a certain 
Is there a maximum amount an employer can contribute for an individual employee? Yeah. So for an so with the four hundred one k plan, primarily you it is a deferral program. So the contribution that the employer that the employee makes uh, maxes out at twenty thousand five hundred dollars this year. Okay. And then you can make if you're over fifty years young, you can make an extra sixty five hundred dollars contribution. So you can get in there up to twenty seven thousand dollars in twenty twenty two. And these numbers are always indexed. But you can actually, as an employer, as part of a profit-sharing plan or a match, you know, the, the, make the total contribution into that plan $62,000. So, I mean, it's, it's one of the best savings vehicles that you could possibly have in terms of getting a lot of money into a plan in a relatively shorter, short period of time. Well, that's, that's really kind of what it is. It's kind of a forced savings. Yeah. I mean, you know, those numbers, and we've talked about this in previous shows, the staggering savings rates today. I mean, people just don't save money. You know, a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck, and they're just mm-hmm. not saving money. This is a way to actually force someone to kind of put money away, uh, knowing that at at retirement time, they're going to have decisions they're going to have to make as far as investing that money. Mm-hmm. And that's where you come into play is taking that uh, lump sum rollover money and, and doing something with it. But, you know, if you're not putting the money in there, there's nothing to roll. There's yeah. there's nothing in there. And you don't have to. The, the, the number one thing that, that we do know, we do study and study time after time. And we know that one of the main concerns and fears of people that they have going into retirement is running out of money. But yet, as this article talks about, there's still some sort of uh, trepidation in, in terms of contributing to these plans or maxing them out. Um, it, it only almost always makes sense, even from a taxability standpoint, where you know when you put in $20,000 and your, your, your uh, income, now your taxable income is reduced dollar for dollar by that 20000 you know, you may not even see any real after-tax um, hit to your sure. to your income at all because you're being taxed on less, and the money that you would normally pay in tax stays in your account or stays in your paycheck. And so, it's important that you know you really do take advantage of the resources. If the plan offers you um, an opportunity to talk with an advisor, take it. Have them run through a retirement roadmap. We do those here at the office. It's complimentary as part of our process of, of working with small business owners and their, and their employees. And we'll let you know how much you know you, we think you need to save for retirement. We'll talk about ways to help you budget. If you, you know really don't know how you're going to make it work, we can look at a budget. We can even help you implement things such as uh, one of the carriers that we use, John Hancock, offers an automatic 1% increase mm-hmm. that you can just check the box and each year you don't have to think about it. You don't have to fill out any forms. It's going to add an extra 1% to your 401k. That alone is going to you know, almost double your investable assets, hypothetically based on a 5% rate of return over three years or 30 years, you're going to have you know, uh, almost double in that plan doing that. You know, Chaz, you brought up a really good point that I, I, I didn't think about. And I, and I remember this um, back in the day. You, you know, you have that advisor that comes in and meets with all of the employees in the group, right? And then you get all this packet of paper and it says, okay, here, fill us out and bring it back. Yeah, that's well, where we lose them. I have no idea what, I, I mean, I, back in the day, you know, I was in my, you know, mid to early 20s and late 20s. I had no idea what I was looking at. I mean, that wasn't my lane. I was not in that investment lane. 
So then you have to reach out to this guy or gal or whoever it may be and say, you know, what what do you suggest? And it's like, well, I'm not going to suggest anything. Here's mm-hmm. your options. You need to de- decide what you want to do. And I think that I think with the 401ks, that's really lacking. Yeah. I mean, that part of it, um, that that advice, you lose the the Chaz Price wow factor <laughs> by not having that person go through it with you on a uh, annual basis and the last thing a lot of these guys want to do is sit down and talk to someone who doesn't have any idea what they're doing and yeah making it fun streamlining it focusing on the goal you know i think that's where a lot of younger advisors fall short is where experienced advisors like us 20 years in the business, you see people start to glaze over. Absolutely. My presentation has a a South Park video in it for fun. It's completely kid-friendly, but there's uh, (laughs) just, you got to keep people engaged. Um, You've got to, um, you know, basically speak to their, you know, their interests. Sure. What, why are you investing in this plan? It's not so that you can have a couple hundred thousand in there. It's so maybe it's traveling. Maybe you want to be a semi-professional babysitter. You know, whatever that that is, mm-hmm. that plan that you have, that's how you get people to buy into saving. The other point I would make is that for young folks, uh, younger individuals, I talked to a girl today and she's 30 and she's like, I'm not really, you know, in, interested that much. It's just, you know, it's what's being offered. So I'm going to go ahead and put in the minimum. Right. But the reality is that she has so much more earnings potential than you or I, you know, in our fifties mm-hmm. approaching or whatnot, than somebody in their thirties, it, it would be a small amount of money that right. she would need to set aside. That would make a huge difference because of the, the eighth wonder of the world, which is compounding interest. You know, Albert Einstein said that, and I think he's right. Just a little bit of money is going to be much more powerful uh, over a longer period of time than let's say if she started saving double or triple the amount at age 50 and really tried to catch up there's no way well the important thing is to do something right to sit on the sidelines and do nothing isn't going to help you but do something and start out small you know figure it out as you grow your income grows and 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 you can afford more then that's when you start making your changes and sitting down with an advisor like yourself um is very important to understand what what's available what can i do it's kind of like what i said earlier about gold yeah i made sure and i asked the questions because i heard the talk because I'm, I'm around people that are in the business otherwise i'd have had no idea but hey what should i be doing with gold and they said hey make sure you're investing in the companies that are mining it mm-hmm. I would have had no idea had some advisor not sat down and talked with me i made sure that I made changes to my 401k distributions to make sure that I covered all of that. Yeah. So, you know, it's important to make sure that you're taking advantage of free money. I mean, who doesn't like free money? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know I do. Uh, my daughter sure did. She Sounds wanted free money. <laughs> um, but take advantage of the free money, right? You know, Chris, I don't know if you, uh, I'm assuming that you guys have 401ks. What is your thoughts on this? Because you're a younger guy that's in, you know, your working prime years and, What's your thoughts on this? Well, this is kind of jumping ahead to a topic we're going to talk about a little later on in the show with Mother's Day. And I remember the first bit of advice I got when I turned 16, I got my first job. It was busing tables, so it wasn't relevant at the time. But my mom said, you're going to have a job one day and you're going to, they're going to have a 401k and there's going to be a company match. 
take advantage of that. Put all the money you can in there and then don't sure. touch it until you retire. So very valuable information that is that has held true with me for all of these years. And correct me if I'm wrong here, 401ks, they really came into prominence kind of at the same time as pensions were going by the wayside. You don't really see those these days. And so it, it's kind of become the onus has been put on the employee to take care of their own pension. And and the employer match is kind of a way to, to offset not providing that pension anymore. Is that is that a fair assessment? I would say that's that's pretty accurate. The the amount of liability that you take on when you have a pension plan with hundreds of possibly thousands of people, varying longevities, life expectancies, market volatility, um, the the actuarial science. That's actually uh, an industry, you know, that these individuals spend trying to figure out how much to fund these plans with, and unfortunately. You know, a lot of 401k or a lot of pension plans are still underwater um, just as a result of the 08, you know, 09, you know, great recession. And so if you have a pension plan, you're one of the lucky few. Mm -hmm. A lot of them for that very reason are going by the wayside to your point, Chris, that they're just basically offloading that responsibility from the company onto the employer employee and and uh you know taking that pressure off the employer to have to make these defined contributions to this plan to provide that benefit it's just a simpler call it more cost effective um definitely it has its advantages and disadvantages um like anything else but i think most people would agree you know if you had the choice to compare if you had the choice to take social security as a lump sum and do something with it on your own or take the monthly payments I mean, most people would appreciate the, the stability that a pension payment like that can provide, Sure. which doesn't mean that you can't go out and buy one on your own. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, it's typically not an option that you would have inside of a 401k until you retired and then you could roll it over. But yeah, I agree, especially then on Social Security's topic. If, you know, Social Security is you're expecting that to be your only source of income in retirement, you're in trouble. It may not even be in its exact same form by the time you get there. You know, that that's going to usually replace about 30 to 40 percent of your actual income. The, where's the other 60 percent come from? Um, you know, most people would say they could retire with uh, their income is going to be less in retirement, but possibly. But do you really want that? Right. Do you want your income to go down in retirement? Sure, you could tighten up the belt a lot. and Sure, you could make it. But is that what you want to do? So, right. Saving your 401k. Again, it's important to think about that. Go ahead and plan for the future. A lot of people, you know, like you said earlier, 3% doesn't seem like a lot. But over the course of the 30, 40 years you're going to be working, it really does add up. And it's going to make a pretty considerable difference when it comes to your overall retirement. So if you're, again, to echo my mother, if your employer offers that employee match, by all means, take advantage of that. Uh, but you do need something a little bit more than beyond what my mom just said. Uh, start crafting a retirement plan. Pick up the phone. Schedule a time to speak with America's Retirement Headquarters, 419 794 3030 is the number. Once again, 419-794-3030 or go online to americasretirementheadquarters.com. I want to wish happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, whether you are, uh, you know, two-legged children, four-legged children, or any variety in there as we recognize our moms everywhere. Uh, Shark Tank investor Kevin O'Leary, he told CNBC the most important business advice that his mother gave him. It's easy to lie to people because you want to keep them feeling good. You don't want to tell them the truth and it's hard to tell the truth. But she told me once, if you never lie to anybody, even though it's hard to tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said and you never get caught in a lie. So my mother's point was, 
why not just tell the truth, take the heat on the moment. You'll never have to take the heat again. You're taking it because you want to be honest and people will respect you for that. So guys, what is the most important money advice that you ever got from your mothers? You know, that's a good one. Uh, Kevin O'Leary, I love Shark Tank, mm -hmm. by the way. Never lie. That's always a good one. Uh, you know, it's funny because I know I've told this before, but um, my mom always said, whatever you make, put half of it away in the savings. And I remember my son, um, and we, we talked about it, um, you know, my son with his first job, uh, he was talking to grandma and grandma tell, told him the same thing that she told me. 40 plus years ago, you know, when I got my first job. Um, so I guess, I guess I would have to say, save as much as you possibly can. You know, that was, I know that's kind of a cliche. I know someone here in the studio said, um, his mom told him never run with scissors. <laughs> and I guess, you know, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Never run with scissors, you know, um, medical bills would crush you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chad, Chad, how about you? Okay, what'd your mom say? Wow, that's like saying, what was your favorite drink of water? You know, it's like there's so many to choose oh, yeah. from. But one of the things that always resonates with, with me and mom was she'd always say, you know, we'll get what you want. You know, like quality over quantity, I think. Sure. And so that had everything to do, you know, with whether it was what school we're going to or, you know, you know, clothes or whatever it was that I wanted, you know, make, make sure you take the time to really like what you're getting. Um, and so, uh, didn't always listen, but right. that was the advice that we got. And so it, I think it correlates well with the stock market, um, with picking investments, you know, upgrading quality, mm -hmm. you know, not necessarily just buying a bunch of different stocks or whatnot, but buying the ones that are of quality to have, you know, strong balance sheets and sure. the ones that are, that are going to last through test of time. That's definitely one. Uh, but she was a big advocate of saving and investing. I think we've done a, a Facebook post on our story or my story mm -hmm. or whatnot, which my mom was a big uh, advocate of saving and investing, always made a big point of taking, you know, taking time to go down to the bank and get the passbook savings updated, you know, and making, you know, getting so excited about the savings balance. Oh, yeah. Uh, took me to my first financial advisor meeting and was the guy was didn't down talk to me you know he talked to me about dividends and they're going to reinvest and you're going to make more money I was like yeah that's cool and I held that same <laughs> investment for like 30 years maybe you know until I was actually you know in the business and took it over for myself so that's just it's huge you yeah, know yeah when absolutely your parents teach those sort of things to you I remember um, uh, my, my mom would she set up accounts for us and they were the Christmas club savings books. I don't know how many people would remember those, I but do. um, uh, they don't do that anymore. So um, we have a guest today, uh, Jennifer Mattis. Welcome, by the way. But what was your little nugget that uh, that mom gave you advice on? Just like Chaz said, my mom's gave me so much advice. I don't know what to pick. But um, as far as financial, um, she said, never put anything on a credit card that you can't pay off in, by the end of uh, the month. Mm. Good one. I wish, yeah. I wish I could uh, say that I have followed that advice. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but like you were talking about last segment, we I've been in that position where I have been a person that lives paycheck to paycheck, and it, it makes it difficult, makes mm -hmm. it really difficult to follow that advice. Um, if I could go back in, in time, I would, I would give my younger self some advice to listen sure. to my mom. Because um, as much as I hate to admit it, she's always right. 
Our parents yeah. get a lot smarter as we age, don't Absolutely. they? They do. They, they, do. they, they really do. do. How about you, Chris? Uh, I know you mentioned uh, one piece of advice for, before the break, but um, anything else? Yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my mom actually has worked in the banks for, I would say, 30 years now. Uh, and so she's always been a big proponent of savings, and that that is kind of where the 401k thing went. Uh, but uh, to what you guys said as far as parents getting smarter as we get older, advice that I didn't listen to growing up, but I, I've come to realize now, especially as I've got a six-year-old of my own, is that uh, I don't get enough sleep. And, and a lot of my problems <laughs> stem from not getting enough sleep. So sure. sometimes uh, I'm like, do I feel this way because X, Y, Z, or am I actually just exhausted? And more often than not, that, that is the latter. So that is, that's not really financial, but that is something else that I've come to realize and, and really appreciate in the past couple of years. So again, great advice. Uh, if you can find a way to spin that into a financial nugget, then by all means, more power to you. But <laughs> I think it's yeah. pretty sage. Yeah, you know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll add one one last thing, and then we'll get into um, uh, what Jennifer's here. But um, I wrote my mom a letter, and when I was in my mid to late twenties, I write her a letter apologizing for being a real royal pain in the <laughs> behind. Mm -hmm. Uh, and she still has that letter today. You know, mom's 84 and she still has that letter and she got it out and she, uh, she says, look here. Uh, she showed my kids that letter and I said, mom, put that thing away or get rid of it. Okay. Uh, but I had that aha moment where I woke up and it's like, oh yeah, that's what mom meant. Mm -hmm. uh, listen, listen to your mothers. They're, they're very, um, they know better. They, they know better. My mom always said I have eyes in the back of my head because she always knew what was going on. So once again, Jennifer, uh, welcome. I know uh, a couple of weeks ago we had your husband on. Uh, we're glad to have Jason on. But um, So you actually have started your own company. Back in November, you went out and started your own company, uh, Gladstone Medical Inc. Um, why don't you take a couple of minutes and tell us exactly what that entails, what that's all about? Okay. Uh, so I have been in the medical world for nearly 20 years now, which seems like it was yesterday I started. I have been taking notes. I've been taking notes of things I like, things I don't like, things I wanted to do when I finally did get my own practice. Sure. So I'm finally able to bring care back to the patient and centered around patient comfort. And I do it in the, in the privacy of the patient's home. Wow. Okay. So like the old school doctors that make house calls. Yes. I mean, you don't, you don't see that very often anymore. And to, to hear that you're bringing that back, that's, that's really kind of unique. I will tell you this, with all of the, the issues that I've had with my parents, you know, my mom going in and out of the hospital and, and the care and treatment that she's getting at these different facilities, I've talked with several of the nurses and, and it seems like the quality of care has really dropped off. And I don't know, I mean, the old, they blame everything on COVID. That's what I'm hearing from a lot of the caregivers today. What do you feel and what do you see out there with the quality of care? And, and do you believe that it is because of COVID? I think COVID may have added to the problem that was already in existence. Okay. You know, we, we as nurses have been fighting for many years to have a cap on patient assignments. For instance, if you're in a certain type of area, the medical surgical unit, they can have six or eight patients depending on, mm -hmm. on the hospital. Um, so, you know, that, that has definitely affected the ability to give the best care. Um, unfortunately, we have to prioritize more than we ever did before. Mm -hmm. So if you're healthy, um, you're probably going to 
see quote unquote less intense care um, because people because they're they're worried about taking care of the people that really need it. Okay, so I'm guessing the whole purpose of you going out and starting your own uh, own company and doing your own thing, you recognized a need for better quality care. I did, and you know, physicians are retiring and not being replaced. Um, they when they retire, it used to be that you would be able to see somebody else in the practice, mm-hmm. but they're so overwhelmed they're not taking new patients. So you know, we we say that we've increased access but you have to have the providers to be able to access them. Yeah, sure. that's what I was going to ask too, Jennifer. You know, in the finance world, we see all the time shortage of, you know, raw materials or oil or energy. Are you seeing a shortage of nursing and, and staff staffing issue in what you do as well? Definitely. Um, a lot of the physicians especially are choosing to go into specialties now rather okay. than primary care. So we as nurse practitioners are trying to step up so that we can take on that burden. Mm. We have a lot of nursing schools that are offering practitioner programs, but it's gonna take some time. You know, I have a, um, a client, a personal friend of mine who was a primary care physician and several years ago, he basically got out of that completely and now he's an ER doctor. And, and um, he said the primary care was just very, very difficult for him so if someone wants to, to get a hold of you or reach out to you, how can someone reach out and get in touch with you? Um, you can reach me directly at 567-408-1496, or you can email me at uh, jennifer at gladstonemedicalinc.com. Awesome. So I, I know that there's a lot of other people that have talked about the concierge service, the pay for service, kind of like a retainer type thing. That's really what you're doing, right? Yes. I mean, it's it's truly where I pay X number of dollars. And well, why don't you tell us how does the program and, and how does your company actually work and, and what we get from that? Sure. I have a one-time fee per month that covers any appointments that you need, whether you have a chronic condition like blood pressure problems or diabetes and need frequent updates, frequent check-ins, or if you have little ones especially, uh, you know, ear infections, sore throats, things like that, you you get as many appointments as I can get on the schedule for you. Mm. Okay. So if you need to see me once a year, you see me once a year. Most people are finding, um, you know, I always get the I never get sick, so I don't go to the doctor. Uh-oh. But <laughs> One of those. <laughs> you don't know. But I think a lot of my patients are finding that um, they don't go to the doctor because it's inconvenient. They don't want to wait four hours mm-hmm. in the waiting room. Um, the urgent care is overwhelmed. Uh, things like that. It's not a matter of I don't need health care. So uh, guilty as charged. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I have to confess because... Uh, I had a routine physical checkup the other day, and I get a text message, and I get a phone call confirming my appointment, and they say, um, uh, please be to the office 30 minutes prior. Well, I'm going to show up 30 minutes prior. I'm going to sit there for 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. and then you're going to take another, they're going to take me back to the room, and another 10 minutes is going to go by, and a doctor is going to come in. And it didn't, it, it didn't happen that way, so I feel better about that. But it has in the past. 
so it's kind of soured me to the fact that, like you just said, I, I, I'll confirm that that's how I am. It's an inconvenience. It's a horrible inconvenience. And I look at it where if it ain't broke, don't fix it type thing. And I know that's not the right attitude to have. Would you not agree? I mean... It depends on how you look at it. To me, I'm trying to fix it because I think it is broken. Right. And I believe me, I'm sure <laughs> I'm I, sure I, that it is broken with for me, and I, <laughs> I need to do a, a better job at that. With with your company, you can set it up on a month-to-month payment plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if someone wanted to give you a annual check, to, would you accept that as well? Yep. Yep. You can pay in any way that you can. Okay. So what gold, is you know gold? Yeah. Gold. gold. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> What would you what would you say is your what are you looking for? What's your ideal client makeup? Ideally, I I like to cater to small business owners. Okay. Uh, they I found that a lot of small business owners either can't afford to provide insurance, which means that their their employees are getting insurance on their own, which as you're well aware is is not a cheap endeavor. Um, so what they end up doing is uh, either providing something with an extremely high deductible. I've heard sick visit copays as high as one hundred and fifty dollars. Sure. Um, so between the copay and the deductible, p- people aren't using their providers even if they are established. Mm-hmm. Um, so what my idea is is that I I aim to have the companies provide this as a benefit to their employees mm-hmm. so that they have that access. Um, it keeps them healthier, keeps them coming to work. They're not calling off all the time. If they have small families, you know, they're not staying home with little Johnny who can't go to school that day. So, it, you know, it really is a benefit to sure. the employer. Yeah, I could definitely see that, you know, with with the high deductibles. If you have a high deductible without co-pays, office co-pays, you're footing that whole bill. Is that something yeah. you can pay with your HSA then? Is that a qualified it, expense? Yes and no. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it depends on the HSA. Some HSAs are very particular, mm-hmm. um, almost close to a flex spending rule mm-hmm. um, as far as what they will cover. Some of them, some insurance companies will actually, even though I don't accept insurance, when you pay your bill with me, you can actually take your invoice and submit it so that it does count towards your deductible well that now that's awesome mm-hmm. that's a that's a really good thing yeah. so what age group do you like i mean would you like um uh, a husband or wife with young children do you want uh 75 year olds 60 year olds 65 year olds i mean or or you'll take anybody and everybody <laughs> um typically three months and older is what i what i treat okay. um I, I think one of the biggest needs right now is people in their 20s and 30s. Because, really? Well, because, you know, they're, they're working, they're, they are happy and healthy, and those are the ones that say, I, I never get sick, I don't need the doctor. Sure. Um, but they're at that age where they're getting to that point of, I'm going to need to have some routine screening. Um, mm-hmm. You know, women... Uh, will need mammograms, they'll need colonoscopies. Uh, They do have some time from those 20s and 30s before they need those. But if you, the earlier you can get healthy, the better chance you have of staying that way. Hence the term preventative care. Yes. You know, so that makes perfect sense when you, when you say it that way. And I guess you really don't think about it a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, 
if if you start a healthy lifestyle 25 30 years old when you're my age you won't ha- you'll you'll hopefully continually have that healthy lifestyle to where you won't need to go for those things that are really starting to break down right. it's going to be a little less um of a burden so to speak right it's got to be a lot less expensive too because you know and we talk about this on our show a lot where the cost of health care in retirement can bankrupt a, a couple. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're looking at, you know, three to four hundred thousand dollars for a couple from 65 years. A healthy through, couple. A healthy couple. Yeah. You know, when you're looking at the premiums and the out of pockets. So you you are actually a nurse practitioner, right? I am. So why don't you give our listeners a little information on what's the difference in a nurse, a nurse practitioner, and a doctor? Um, So there are different levels of nurses, but essentially a nurse is able to care for the patient in a way that is pretty much dictated by either a doctor, a physician assistant, or a nurse practitioner. So they can't order anything, they can't make any decisions, they really have to carry things out. a nurse practitioner is a, is a nurse first, uh, but works into an advanced practice level where we are able to assess, diagnose, treat, order, um, and follow up. Um, a physician assistant is very similar, um, but they, it, the biggest difference between a physician assistant and a nurse practitioner is how is our relationship with the physician. Um, I think the biggest difference between a nurse practitioner and a physician is that a nurse practitioner treats the patient and physicians treat conditions. That makes sense, too, because I've heard that before. A lot of times you go to the doctor and, and you don't really see the doctor. You know, I always see a nurse practitioner and then the doctor comes in and says, yep, everything they said is accurate. Got any questions for me? And out the door they go. I mean, not even touch you at all. Yeah. Kind of, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I see that a lot. I'm assuming that the education and, and everything that goes into this is, is very similar. I know doctors may have a little bit more debt to pay for, but um, <laughs> I feel like we shouldn't have to pay if we get sick. Like we'll pay you to keep us not sick. Right. And once we get sick, I'm not paying. I'm sick. I'll think about different. that. I, I think it's a great thing. And I know there are some other companies out there um, that are, are moving into this. How many patients can you actually see? I've heard from other um, uh, clients and people that I've worked with that are doing similar. They're only looking for a certain number of patients because that's all they can really handle. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to be your ideal sweet spot as far as number of patients before you have to bring on another Jennifer? You know, in my previous position as a primary care, they wanted me to see 2,500 to 3,000. Wow. Not, not necessarily to see them, but to have that many patients in my practice before I brought somebody else on. So I don't have an exact number of what I would like to see, but it'll definitely be in the low hundreds as opposed to the low thousands. How many is that a day? Did they want ten a day, basically? Essentially, just depending. Ten yeah. appointments a day, Scott. You, well, no wonder I get frustrated on AED this year, but no, yeah, right. Working in urgent care, we would see anywhere from forty to sixty patients in wow. a twelve-hour period. So, so 
I don't want to even go off on that tangent. <laughs> I've been I was in just Urshan. using it as an example. <laughs> oh my gosh! And I have to believe that that's going to be where you give the best quality of care to a limited number of, of patients like that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's 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 better for everybody. Do you offer telemedicine at all, Jennifer? Or I do actually. Um, so with with the program is um, the first visit is in person in your home. Um, after that, depending on what's happening, uh, the telehealth is typically used as triage. Mm-hmm. Um, if I need to come back out to your home, I will do that as okay. well. Um, but you you absolutely get one one annual visit. Okay. Um, on that first visit, you also get a kit with a blood pressure cuff thermometer mm-hmm. and a pulse oximeter. So that if we are doing a telehealth visit, we can check those vitals. Uh, to get a better idea of what's going on. So I just put my phone like that in my mouth and you look in the... (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, maybe. We'll have to talk to Apple and see. (laughs) Right, right, right. Exactly. (laughs) The the Apple 72, you know. Yes, right. (laughs) Exactly. So if if I participate and I call you up and um, I'm bleeding profusely and I see what appears to be bone, I should go directly to the emergency room and urgent care. Would you not agree that certain things need to go there or do they contact you first? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, if, if you... If you have that a bleed, you know, bleeding episode, or you can't breathe, or something along those lines, absolutely, the urgent care and ER are definitely appropriate. Um, if you have a sore throat or your sinuses are acting up, those are definitely not needed to go to the urgent care or the ER. Um, you can, you know, it, depending on what's going on once we talk, mm-hmm. you, I may send you there. Um, okay. You know, but if you are not having a life-threatening issue, then absolutely call me first. I had a client that brought in a stack, a folder of, you know, two inches thick of medical bills. And he wanted me to kind of help him out and go through with that. And, and I'm like, what in the world are you, I mean, you're going to the urgent care or emergency room for a hangnail, okay? Seriously? I mean, that is where I try to stress to a lot of the, the the clients that I have is I try to educate them. And I think that as a society, we're failing in that, where we educate where you need to go for the proper care. Mm-hmm. Too many times I find people using the emergency room as their primary care. Absolutely. A lot of it, a lot of it is access. Uh, well, you know, uh, absolutely. People, people wait and wait and wait because they don't either want to wait in the waiting room or they don't want to spend the money for the copay. Um, so they end up waiting until they just can't wait anymore. And now it's Friday night or Saturday and the doctor's office is closed. So you have to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I come in. I'm pretty much available 24 seven. So um, I know we're coming up to the end of the show here, but one last question. Um, is there a, a doctor that you also associate with for any needs that somebody might have that would be, I don't want to say more than you can handle, but something that you specialist run? specialist or something? Every provider, regardless of your education, has a scope of practice that we follow. Okay. So, uh, you know, if if something is outside of my scope, I do collaborate with a gentleman, uh, Dr. Bills. Oh, okay. He's here locally. 
um, and he actually has a similar practice in urgent care, but I do bounce things off of him um, when they become more than what I'm trained or have experience yeah. to, to take care of. Awesome. You still get yeah. that collaborative approach that you would expect in the hospital or Absolutely. the doctor's office. Um, you yep. just have it in a different sort of network and... Yep, absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer, I want to thank you very much for um, for joining us today. Once again, uh, to get a hold of her, you can visit the website, which is gladstonemedicalinc.com, and all of her information is on that website. Uh, your website's awesome, by the way. I, I have visited a few times. and um, Where'd the name Gladstone come from? Cool. When there used to be physicians that would go to that home, the black bag that they would carry mm. was called a Gladstone bag. Oh, huh. so look at that. feeds very well into the premise of what I'm trying to very do. Cool. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yep. And again, right there, if you go to Gladstone Medical Inc., you'll see, actually, uh, she mentions that she is a, a mother of two. So uh, as we are approaching Mother's Day weekend, I wanted to wish you a very happy Mother's Day and thank you so much for, for joining us this week. Um, Thank you. If you have questions, again, GladstoneMedicalIncInc.com is the place to go. And if you have questions concerning your retirement, things that we've talked about on this week's show, whether it be, uh, you know, using gold as, as part of an inflation hedge or, uh, you know, any of the things that we've, we've discussed through the history of the show, AmericasRetirementHeadquarters.com is the website. Or give a call to the number 419-794-3030. Once again, 419-794-3030. want to thank you guys so much for joining us this week. want to wish all the moms out there a very happy Mother's Day. As we wrap up, guys, want to leave you with the final word. Well, once again, I want to thank uh, Chaz and Jennifer for uh, joining me on the show today. And uh, happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. America's Retirement Headquarters is located at 1700 Woodlands Drive in Maumee, Ohio. You can reach them by calling 419-794-3030 or online at americasretirementheadquarters.com. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussion not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Nolan Baker is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Nolan Baker, Ohio Insurance License Number 27787.